You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health Podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. I'm Teresa McKee, your host for A Mindful Moment. Thank you for joining me today as we explore ways to increase our mindfulness in our day-to-day experiences. Let's start with the breath. The breath is our most powerful tool for getting centered, grounded, and calm. If you're able to, breathe in through your nose for a count of one, two, three, four. Now slowly release the breath through the mouth for a count of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. One more time. In, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Repeat this breath work anytime during the day when you feel stress rising or when you notice you've lost your focus. If you'd like to follow a guided meditation, please visit our YouTube channel at Work to Live. As we once again face another shift in our external world, it's easy to get swept away by the stress of uncertainty, fear, and frustration. New directions from the CDC, lots of misinformation, and a return to shortages from chicken to chlorine on top of a shift back into public living from schools to work to entertainment may push some of us back into panic or knee-jerk reactions. But major changes offer us an opportunity to go inward. Instead of spinning our wheels trying to guess what is going to happen next and mindlessly reacting, we can pause and consider where we want to go on a deeper level. On this podcast, we spend the majority of our time focusing on mind and body, how they interact, and how this interaction affects our emotions and behaviors. But there is another element that is perhaps more important to our well-being, and that's our soul and or spirit. We don't focus on this much because both soul and spirit are very individualized and subjective, with varying explanations embedded in different religious and secular beliefs, making it impossible to identify one single definition of what they mean. But since we are all energetic beings, If we step back and simply look at these elements from an energetic perspective, 
we can think of them as the invisible engine that drives us. There is also some confusion about the difference between the soul and the spirit. Some use the two terms interchangeably, while certain religions define the two as having very separate meanings. I believe they are distinct, but that they influence each other. What does any of this have to do with mindfulness? Mindfulness is awareness of both what's going on around us and what's going on within us. And for many, this past year has pained our souls and put a damper on our spirits. Some may even have experienced that dark night of the soul that so many of us have gone through when we realize we don't know the meaning of our life or the purpose of even being here. We hit a depth of struggling or suffering that causes us to question the point of it all. The origins of the word spirit include the Latin spiritus, the French esprit, and the Greek pneuma, which all include the description breath. In Eastern philosophy, spirit can be considered life force, which makes sense since we can't live without breathing. With mindfulness meditation so focused on our breath, there seems to be a connection here that the breath connects us to something bigger. So what's the purpose of this invisible energy? Again, everyone has differing ideas, but I agree with the theory that the soul is the eternal part of us that goes on once our physical bodies expire, and that spirit is the part of our consciousness that is connected to a higher source. That could be God or Allah, nature, the zero-point field, collective consciousness, or an endless number of sources, depending on your beliefs. Most of us believe that there is something more than just our physical existence, at least to varying degrees, but it's quite challenging for us to really grasp how the universe works and how we're connected to that higher source. And frankly, we're busy and harried and focused on getting through our days, not usually taking the time to contemplate the cosmos and beyond, right? When we experience a profound event that taps into this level of consciousness, be it through pure love or that darkest of nights, we tend to start searching, but frequently don't know where to begin. We realize something's missing, or we feel a longing for answers to questions we're not quite sure of. It's frequently referred to as a spiritual awakening. Many philosophers and writers have called it the hero's journey, or framed it as a great quest in every possible scenario, from chasing windmills to slaying dragons. If you're feeling this restlessness, this desire for a deeper knowing, but not sure where to start, today's guest may provide some clues. Jenny Lee is a spiritual coach and certified yoga therapist who has counseled private clients for over 20 years and is passionate about sharing practices to help people reconnect to soul wisdom and live purposeful lives. Jenny also facilitates international wellness retreats and is a regular contributor to numerous national magazines and other yoga-related books. She is a multi-award-winning author of three books, True Yoga, Practicing with the Yoga Sutras for Happiness and Spiritual Fulfillment, Breathing Love, Meditation in Action, and her newest, Spark Change, 108 Provocative Questions for Spiritual Evolution, providing us with the big questions to contemplate on our quest or journey through spiritual awakening. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so glad to be with you today, Teresa. Thanks for having me. I've really been enjoying the process of your book, Spark Change, 108 Provocative Questions for Spiritual Evolution. 
I have been picking one, taking my time, so I'm following your advice, but I am really enjoying it. I think lately I have been somewhat scattered with everything going on. So it was a nice sort of re-entry back into myself again. So thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Of course, the first thing I have to ask, I know you explained it in the book, but I, I thought it was very interesting, which is why 108 questions? I'll give you the short version. 108 is a sacred number in many traditions, particularly in yoga philosophy. And so um, it has a lot of associations with different things. And it meant something to me. There's often 108 beads on a mala. So when you're doing mantra, it's, um, it's considered a sacred number. So I figured that 108 questions would be a good place to bring the book in. And, and, it, and it worked out well because it created the 12 themes with nine sections per theme. And so it gives a good broad um, space for people to explore the different themes around change. Definitely. It's, it's a nice foundation. So for our listeners who may not be aware, because we focus a lot on mindfulness meditation. And so everyone by now is probably very aware of what self-awareness means, but how would you define spiritual self-awareness? That's a great question. We are very connected to our self as we experience self in the world, right? So how we connect in our relationships, in our physical environments, what our bodies are going through. A lot of mindfulness practice has to do with the sensations as they're arising, the thoughts that are passing through the mind, the emotions that we're aware of in any given moment. But spiritual self-awareness is really the acknowledgement that there is a non-physical being that's part of who we are. And how do we connect to that? So the orientation of this book is around getting people to start thinking about themselves as a soul, as a non-physical being, as well as, a, as the personality self, and digging into the process of getting to know that, that spiritual self. And so much of it has to do with meditation because it's hard to experience the non-physical within the physical realm. So we, we have to kind of withdraw from the physical, at least temporarily into those inner spaces of self-reflection and presence where it's not an intellectual process. It's an experiential process. You wrote in the book, introspection is not for the faint hearted or self-critical. And so I'm wondering if someone is stuck in self-criticism, which many people are, do you have any suggestions or steps that they could take to sort of get to the place that they could begin to be more introspective? This is so important. And it's why I put that caveat in there, because often where people get stuck is in this inner critic, you know, the, the self-judgment and the inner criticism. And wherever that comes from, whether we experienced judgment or criticism from the outside and then we internalized it, or whether it's just been a part of our own inner dialogue for as long as we can remember, it is important that we start to address that if we're going to undertake spiritual self-inquiry, because we won't get beyond it until we address it. And the way to address it, I think, is through compassion. So the same compassion that we would offer to someone else when they're feeling really down on themselves, we need to offer to ourselves. And so just compassion and acceptance, the recognition that really we're all doing the very best that we know how to do at any given moment in time. And so, you know, we learn and we grow from there. And that's all we can do is show up as we are in this moment, recognize that we're doing the best we know how to do practice some self-compassion, and then start asking the questions about how we can grow, how we can improve. That's, 
you know, what takes us to new experiences. Definitely. I think too, an important aspect of self-compassion is self-forgiveness because I hear people just hanging on to every mistake they've ever made. So it's not even just criticism, but it's old criticism. You know what I mean? They're not letting it go. So I really like that because I think it's very important. Based on my interaction with clients lately, I have to say, I was really glad to see that you included accountability in the book. That's been a big topic lately. And I think for some, they may not think that that sounds very spiritual. So I was wondering if you can explain why accountability is so important on this journey. Oh, it is my (laughs) rallying cry, I think, all the time, especially recently. It's something that's so missing, I think, in our modern culture. There's a lot of blame flying around in every sector. And we are not going to make any progress societally or personally until we start taking greater accountability for our choices, our actions, our words, how we're showing up, our attitudes every single day. It is an extremely important part of the spiritual path. Because, and this is way too big of a topic to get into today, but when when we talk about karma, karma is really the law of accountability because every action, every word that we offer into the world has a reaction or a consequence. So we are absolutely accountable for everything that we do or say. And until we recognize that and accept it and live within that accountability, we're really not going to make good progress uh, in our personal development or in our spiritual development. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's like a pandemic itself right now. No one wants to be accountable and it affects everything, not just our spiritual path. It affects business, it affects relationships. So like I said, I'm really glad you included that because it's certainly one of the things we keep trying to include in our workshops, the importance of accountability. Can I just say on that note too, you know, we've all heard the phrase, be the change you want to see in the world. I heard it said in a recent book, be the change you want to see in your relationships. And we could play this out in so many different ways, you know, be the change that you want to see in your organization, be the change you want to see in the environment. And so it all starts with us. We can't lay blame outside if we're not making the change inside. And the peace has to start within. So we can't hope for a peaceful world unless we're cultivating an inner peace. Absolutely. Thank you. In the lessons chapter, you talk about shifting our whys to what's. Why do you feel that's so powerful? So that's such a great question as well. And we often, coming off the topic of accountability, we often go into that kind of self-pity place of why me, why this, why now? We ask all these whys that really aren't that helpful in terms of moving us forward in our personal growth. The more important question is, what am I supposed to learn from this? Why is this here now? For what purpose, I think, is kind of the the why and the extension of the why that I would put in there. Um, But really looking at what is it meant to serve in terms of our inner self-awareness and our personal growth, I think is a much better question than why is this happening to me? Yeah, definitely. When I read in your book that you referred to, you know, our time here on earth is, is basically school in session. I use that all of the time. Like it's not about what's happening to us or why it's happening. It's about understanding what is there to learn from it. Sometimes what you learn from it is, I don't ever want to do that again, but it's okay. It's the idea to still look for that little nugget. And sometimes that's where the biggest lessons are anyway, but it's about looking for that little nugget of information that then you can use to further either reflect or take action or whatever comes naturally after that. Absolutely. 
I think we're in this big, I mean, we've been in a big transition sort of, I don't even know what you call this over the last year because it keeps changing, right? So I guess it's not a transition. It's a bunch of uncertainty and a long transition. And now a lot of places are starting to bounce back. Like you were saying in Hawaii, tourism's open again. Finally in California, we're starting to open up again. I know some states are going the opposite direction, but regardless of which way it's moving, things are changing again. Do you see, or do you think that people have had enough time to really reflect on their lives over the past year and that they might now be more open to looking at sort of a broader perspective of what they want to do next or what path they want to pursue? You know, everyone's moving at a different pace with their personal growth. And we can hope that there has been a shift towards greater consciousness because of the last year and all the difficulties that we've all experienced. You know, I think some people are going to come out of this with greater self-awareness and some really intentional choices about how to live differently. I think some people are still in a lot of fear and are not handling the transition back out (laughs) into greater life very well. Um, There's still, I'm experiencing a lot of people still in a bit of trauma over the last year and not having their orientation or their grounding yet. So that's interesting. And then I think there are some people who are acting here in Hawaii. The tourists seem to be just acting as if there has never been a pandemic and are just operating with not a lot of respect. (laughs) So I don't know how to answer that. No, it is interesting. I mean, that's because that's what I'm seeing. There's no consistency. And of course, you know, you can't do this until you're ready to do it. But at the same time, I think there are a lot of people that are ready for something and maybe they don't know what, like they don't know what the next step is. So maybe they're emerging, like we're just now up to, you know, go back out like to restaurants and things like that after a long time of everything being pretty much closed. But that also means people returning to work for the first time in a year or returning their kids to school. Our schools just reopened a few weeks ago. So there's just tons of change happening all at once. And I know I've talked to a few people who just say, you know, I don't know what I want, but I know I don't want to go back to what I had. And I think this is so important to take this moment, keep the pause long enough to ask the inner questions about what truly matters, what we truly value, what we want to make our our emergence based on. So this is critical time for us to be asking these inner questions. I also appreciated that you have a chapter in the book on purpose, because I think some people believe that you have one purpose in life. You know, you come here and you've got that one purpose, when in fact your purpose can change. There may be an overarching theme maybe, but but your purpose changes depending on your phase of life and your situation and all of those things. And so I just wanted to throw that out there for someone who maybe is looking for a, a starting point. Do you know what your purpose is? Maybe that's where to start. Or do you know what you, you didn't like about the past and that this is an opportunity before you just change everything to the opposite to spend that time? So I agree with you to spend the time really exploring what it was about those things that you didn't like and Could it be that it's out of alignment with your values? I think that's really important. And I think the question, what doesn't matter anymore or what doesn't matter now is equally as important as the what does matter. So sometimes we learn what we do want by recognizing what we don't want, which is what you're saying. And, you know, in terms of purpose, also, I I 100% agree and wrote about that, that people seem to be looking for this really big sense of purpose. And you mentioned it as a starting point. And I think the starting point is really, what is my purpose in this moment today? How can I show up to this day 
with a sense of purpose in terms of how I'm interacting, the consciousness with which I'm bringing to this moment, to this conversation even, you know, that's our purpose unfolding moment by moment. We spend a lot of time on the difference between intention setting and goals. So it's kind of the same thing where in, intentions are daily, you're living your goals, you're experiencing it. And so it, there's a parallel to that with your purpose where I think that's great. Focus on something small. And honestly, there's so many people that are still stressed out. I think small is probably more effective for a lot of people right now than trying to change their whole lives, right? Absolutely. And change doesn't happen in great big sweeping motions, usually. I mean, unless it's some catastrophe that just forces us into a big life change. But Usually it's done in micro doses and little mini changes throughout our days. So if you were going to describe who this book is for, how would you describe it? I would just say that it's for someone who has done a bit of self-awareness work already. You know, maybe they have a mindfulness or a meditation practice of some kind. They might not be as consistent with it as they'd like to be. They've asked, you know, some of the questions internally, but are looking for some deeper answers and a guide to figuring out themselves at a deeper level. You know, the book really came off of my work as a coach for the last 25 years and the process of inquiry that I go through with my clients. So this is, I call it like a year of coaching in your hands, because these are the questions that I work through with my clients often. And these are questions that I go back to personally again and again, because they grow with us. And so it's not a one and done, you know, it's not like, oh, check the answer to question 75, never have to go back to that one. These are things that evolve as we evolve. And so it's worth exploring again and again. So, you know, it's the person who is committed to personal growth. I would agree with that. And I agree with you too. It may not be for someone who's never done any introspective work. I think that would be maybe painful for someone. I think you have to have had some exposure to the inner workings to be able to really get the depth of the questions because they're quite deep, which leads me to my next question. If someone starts and they get to a question and they ponder it and ponder it and ponder it and can't come up with an answer, would you suggest they move on to a different question for now and come back to that later? Yes, absolutely. I had to laugh. A client of mine said that she opened the book, uh, read one question, thought, oh my gosh, I have no idea. Shut the book, has not opened it again. <laughs> you know, we had a good laugh about it and I've encouraged her to, to reopen it and look at a different question because, you know, we don't have to, again, have the answers, all the answers today. That is not what it's about. So yes, absolutely. It's like a, you know, a yoga posture. If you can't touch your toes today, don't worry about it. Just approach the, you know, forward bend and then move on to the next posture and then approach again the next day. And eventually with time and practice, you'll, you'll make improvement, but there's no, perfect answers and there's no timeline for this. So it's just a, a really fun practice to engage with yourself at deeper levels and, and take the expectations off, you know, have bring some levity to your process. I, that's one thing that over the years I've learned that if I can't keep humor in this, it's, it's a sinking ship. <laughs> that is the truth. Okay, so my final question to you is, we ask all of our guests this just because we're really trying to reinforce the idea for people that everyone experiences stress, that the stress itself is not necessarily the issue, it's our response or reaction to stress. And we wanna give them as many tools as possible so that when they're stressed, they have some go-to. So that's the question. 
when you have stress rising over whatever, a deadline or something, you know, going haywire, do you have a go-to practice that you use to get recentered or calmer? Oh, I have no stress, Teresa. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I've got to go back and reread the book. (laughs) So keep your own counsel. This is something going back to accountability. I find that people get in trouble when they're stressed because they lash out, launch out, react. Then they have a bunch of fallout with the people around them because of the stress. We've all done this, myself included. And I've learned over the years that my first strategy to dealing with stress is isolate, be quiet, go into stillness, keep my own counsel, you know, really dig into my toolbox, take some space so that I don't say something or react or just show up as the grumpy, stressed out person and create more problems than already exist. So that, that would be my number one thing. Perfect. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us today and sharing all of your wisdom and good luck with the book. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me today. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks again to Jenny for joining us today and providing an excellent start to begin our own journeys. You can find more information on Jenny at www.jennyleeyogatherapy.com. If you're ready to start your own hero's journey, stay mindful and practice self-compassion. It's not easy to search for the meaning of life, to make major changes in your beliefs, or to look deeply into your own soul. It's not a straight line from the beginning to end, either, but more of a very zigzagged line that includes peaks and valleys along the way. And there may be no final destination, at least on this dimensional plane, but the journey itself will enrich your life, shift your views of the world and beyond, and ultimately provide a sense of connectedness and inner peace that is hard to achieve otherwise. Remember, if you feel panic rising over the lack of lumber or diapers or washing machines, take a breath and remember that we've successfully navigated this before. There's no need to panic, and in fact, we help create the shortages by doing so. Like everything in life, this is temporary and it will pass. We've made it through very difficult challenges for over a year and have proven that we're strong and resilient. So a shortage of rental cars and toasters at this point is simply an inconvenience, not a life-shattering event. You can find all of the books by the authors we've interviewed on our website under the Book Club tab and view the full interviews on our YouTube channel. Be sure to join us next week for a fascinating conversation with Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor, famed Harvard neuroanatomist and author of a new book herself, Whole Brain Living which includes the part of our brain that connects with a higher source from an anatomical perspective, along with a very different view of how our brains work and how we can use that information to improve our lives. Until next time, stay well, be kind to yourself and others, and remember to be mindful. Have a wonderful week. Mindfulness increases our emotional, physical, and mental well-being. It can also enhance our focus and productivity. Perhaps most importantly, mindfulness strengthens our empathy and compassion for others, which I believe we need more of in our world today. So practice mindfulness in everything you do. Spend at least a little time meditating every day. And remember to be kind to yourself and others. 
We're here to do more than just survive. We can thrive. All it takes to start is a mindful moment. Please subscribe to A Mindful Moment with Teresa McKee wherever you get your favorite podcasts and rate this podcast so that others can find us. Follow us on social media at Work to Live. A Mindful Moment is written by Teresa McKee. The English version is hosted by Teresa McKee and the Spanish version is translated and hosted by Paola Tile. Intro music, Retreat by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll by Josh Kirsch, Meteorite Productions. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions.